Testing three, four. No problem, no problem. I think I'm waiting on stewards. Good evening, everyone. Uh, we would just welcome you to the service. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. For those of you that are tuning in online, we welcome you as well. We're always glad to welcome you to this evening service, and it's a beautiful day that God has given to us here in the Memphis area. Uh, it's a quite a relief from the snow and the cold, and we're all glad about that. Uh, I have a few announcements to give to you before we start our worship and song. Uh, and so for those of you that are worshiping online, uh, you can always download the bulletin on the church website that is available for you, and you can follow along with us. Also, if you are a visitor with us, we would encourage you to please sign the online friendship pad uh, so that we can know that you've tuned in uh, to be with us tonight. Uh, also, today is Communion Sunday, so the elements for the ones of you that have walked in uh, that are in person, uh, they're on the table there, and we will have a time of being at the Lord's table tonight. Uh, for those of you that are at home, uh, you can just gather the bread and wine or juice uh, for the partaking of the sacrament at that particular time. I've got a very important announcement as well, and that's uh, Nakomi is save the date. Nakomi, save the date. That will be April the 30th through May 2nd, and um, it's an all-church retreat at Nakomi Conference Center. And this is a great tradition that I'm being told. I was talking with Pastor Susie just before the meeting, and uh, uh, this is a great GPC tradition for many years. And also, just for you to know that it's very COVID safe this year, and we would like for you to sign up. Um, and in fact, Pastor Susie has just informed me that she would love for you to do the survey that's online and um, make sure that you can email um, Pastor Susie or Pastor Will. Um, and I think it's, and if you're here in person, you can write your name and you can put it and the offering plate on your way out. Let's pray, and then we will get into our worship and song for this evening. Father, we just say thanks for an, a beautiful day that you've given to us. We thank you for the life that we have in Christ. We thank you that you will be glorified in this meeting, and every word that we say, every song that is sung, every scripture that is read. And we just ask that you might find pleasure from our hearts yours. And Father, we ask that by your spirit that you will be here with us to enable us in every aspect to sing, to praise, to worship you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
We invite you to stand and sing with us as we declare, Holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty, and he is the Lamb worthy to be praised.
continuing on, just praising God for his holiness. The scripture says in Revelation chapter 4 that the creatures that are around him, the angels that are around the throne of God, they never stop saying day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it makes you wonder, how is it that they're able to do that? Because it's been eons and ages that they've been saying it. And you've never heard an angel say, oh, if we don't say something different, I'm going to scream. Why is it? It's because the one who is seated up on the throne gives a fresh revelation of his holiness to those that are around. And so every time they say a holy, it's because he has revealed a freshness of his holiness. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Sing it with us and worship with us. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. 
thank you for your patience as I get everything ready. <laughs> before we get into the Word and before I even read the Word, let's pray and just ask God to bless, give us insight, revelation into the Word and to what it is that He has for us tonight. Father, we're just so grateful for who you are and for the fact that you've laid your claim upon each of our lives. Thank you for your wonderful rescue. Thank you for bringing us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light of your dear son. Thank you that not only did you bring us out of darkness, you took darkness out of us. And then you made us agreeable and congruent to the kingdom of which you were bringing us into. And we are now light in the Lord. We're so grateful for your defeat of the enemy. We're so grateful for the life of which we now have in Jesus Christ. We ask as we look into your word now that you will open up our ears, open up our eyes as we open up our hearts to receive from you. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the one who inspired this and that you will inspire us tonight, giving us insight into your word and into your purposes. We give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read uh, Exodus chapter 20, and it's quite a number of verses, so stay with me. Starting at verse 1, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no gods before me, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or your maidservant, nor any animals nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. 
May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Before we get into the Mosaic Covenant, I would like to give just a little bit of background, especially that comes in Exodus chapter 19, that leads up to this. In Exodus 19, verses 1 through 3, it says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed, there it is, if you will indeed obey my voice, conditional, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together. And this is their response. All that the Lord command we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Kirsten and Will have beautifully talked on the covenants in the last few weeks. And Kirsten spoke on the Noahic covenant. And Will taught on last week on the Abrahamic covenant. Both of these covenants were unconditional covenants. That means that it is a sovereign act of God and it is characterized by God saying, I will do something or I will not do something. So there is no responsibility on the recipient of the covenant. The responsibility is up on the one who is promising, and that is God. Therefore, the blessings of an unconditional covenant are secured by grace, a free gift. However, when we come to the Mosaic Covenant, it is a conditional covenant, and it is bilateral, which means there is a responsibility on both parties to do or not to do something in order to fulfill the terms of the covenant. So a bilateral conditional covenant is where God, God promises to man, which in this case is the first time that God has made a covenant so far that it's not just to an individual but to a nation. If you will, then I will. So the blessing is not secured upon grace. It's not a free gift, but it's secured on obedience. Before God will meet his conditions, the nation of Israel must meet their responsibility. God gave instructions to Moses to give to the people for them to prepare themselves to meet with him. Moses did as God had spoken. They were not to touch the mountain. They were to wash their clothes and abstain from intimate relations. The Bible says, on the morning of the third day, they were, there was lightning and thunder and a thick cloud covered the mountain, Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai means thorny and hate. 
everyone in the camp trembled as Moses led them out of the camp to meet with God. I can imagine any one of us would be the same way. If we were in that company of people being led by Moses and gathered around the mountain and seeing all of the smoke, the earth is quaking, the lightning, the thunder. Wow. If God was to speak to any of us today like that, it would scare the bejeebers out of us. I want to remind us of the beautiful covenantal language that God spoke to his people in Exodus chapter 19. It's beautiful language of which God is communicating to his people of his intent, of, of what he is wanting a, a relationship with them. And God spoke to his people of his protection and the display of his power to deliver them from the oppressive rule of the Egyptians how he carried them on eagle's wings as an eagle carries her eaglets. He wasn't just bringing them out. He brought them to himself. That's personal. There's something intimate about that. He wasn't just bringing them out. He was bringing them into. You'll always notice in the scripture that God brings a people out to bring them into. He will always tell them to take something off before he will tell them to put something on. He will tell them not to do something in order that they may do that which is right. He let them know that he wanted the whole nation, that they would be a treasured people and a treasured possession to him. And he let them know that he wanted the whole nation to be a kingdom of priests to minister to him. So when we read in Exodus 20, and God spoke these words, he spoke, I believe the Jewish rabbis say, the ten sayings, or we call them the ten commandments. However, the Mosaic covenant was not just made of the ten they were included in 613 commandments. First, I'd like to take a look at the distinction between the law and commandments. In English and in Greek, they end up meaning the same thing in our minds and in our thinking. But it is an adaptation, not a Hebraic distinction. What we have called the law in Hebrew, Hebrew terms is Torah, which means the teaching. The word Torah comes from the word yira, meaning to flow like water. It is what the prophet Joel refers to as the morva, meaning former rain. The distinction becomes important because what God was seeking to teach was a flow by the Spirit or rain upon humanity through Israel was not the commandments, but the wisdom of the Spirit regarding his nature in the inner man. However, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled in fear, even when Moses comforted them and said, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance 
and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or, or we will die. Sadly, they rejected at Sinai what God was seeking to impart by the Spirit and they pressed Moses to go up the mountain. Go up and whatever he tells you, come back and tell us and we'll do it. Well, we know how that turned out. Remember, Sinai means thorny and hate. Now think, what does this religious system end up doing to Christ? It ends up putting a crown of thorns on his head and hating him. In that moment, rather than God speaking directly to Israel as he had done, God spoke directly to them. A drastic thing happens. Israel changed the tone and tenor of the covenant of God. What was originally a covenant between Abraham and his descendants of which they inherited a covenant of giving. God covenanted with Abraham based on a desire to give and have a relationship. No strings or rules attached. There were no laws, temples, or sin sacrifices. Hence, enter Melchizedek. A priesthood that required none of those items. But Israel, who was already in the grand covenant through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, now the terms of this covenant is now more transactional, inputting a mediator, laws, rules, a temple, and blood sacrifices for violations. The covenant is now based on obedience rather than intimacy and oneness. And we see it clearly within moments after the establishment of the, this version of covenant, the rules and commandments are broken and we see the anger of Moses because of the rebellious and contrary folly of Israel. It didn't take long to break the rules. Take note. This was not God's intent or Abraham's or Isaac or, or Jacob's. Everything that transpired after Sinai was transactional. Blessings occurred because if they did it, the right thing and curses occurred if they didn't. This created a veil of separation we will see Christ when he comes. He destroys the old covenant and he tears down and tears open the veil. Here are some of the observations of the Mosaic law. It was given specifically to the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 4, also in Psalm 147, also in Malachi, verse 4, verse 4, I mean, chapter 4, verse 4. In Psalm 147, it says, He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and judgments to Israel. He has not dealt with any nation. As, and as for his judgments, 
they have not known them. So all of those scriptures lets us know that this covenant was made with the nation of Israel. The first observation is the law was given to Israel to reveal the holy character and nature of the eternal God. And also by the, the righteous standards that he required to be in relationship with him. You can find that in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, also Leviticus 20, verses 7 and 8. The second observation, it was given to reveal the sinfulness of man. Galatians chapter 3, verse 19 says, What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. Just a note, the law was never intended to provide salvation to Israel. The third observation, it set apart the nation of Israel as a distinct people from all other nations. As we read in Exodus 19 verse 5, God said to them, you will be a special treasure to me above all people, for the whole earth is mine. The fourth observation, it provided atonement through the sacrifices and the offerings. When we look in Leviticus in chapter 1 through chapter 7, you will find all of the requirements, all of the different offerings. The Hebrew word for atonement does not mean removal of sin. It simply means covering over. It allowed a covering over sin in order for them to have grounds for fellowship with God. The fifth observation, it provided a way of worship for the community of faith, both individually and corporately in Leviticus 23. The law provided in so many ways a rule of life for the nation of Israel in their dietary laws, their individual and corporate worship, in their, in their looks, their appearances, their, even their clothing. It could not have mixed thread, which was to make them distinct from all other Gentile nations around them. The purpose of the law was never a means of earning salvation. Salvation was and is to be obtained by grace through faith, apart from any works. Also, the law of God was given to reveal sin, to magnify sin, to show us that we couldn't on our own live the righteousness of God by it, all in order with the ultimate purpose to drive us to faith in Christ as broken sinners without hope. Paul says this in Galatians 3, verses 24 and 25. He says, therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, 
we are no longer under the tutor, thus the law was the tutor to show us our brokenness and sinfulness to ultimately point us to the direction of Christ our Savior who could help us. I always put it this way, just in everyday vernacular, we got ourselves in a mess, but we could not get ourselves out of the mess that we got ourselves into. Thus, we needed a Savior. According to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, God never intended for the old covenant to be forever. The old covenant with all the rituals and sacrificing was a shadow of heavenly things. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Hebrews verse, chapter 9, verse 15, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Jesus' death on the cross was and is the basis of the promise of Luke 22, verse 20. And it's a beautiful thing that tonight after this message, we will... As it says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You see, under the old, the blood of animals covered their sin. Jesus' blood would take away our sin, would cleanse us completely. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, thus Jesus is a better high priest there was nothing in the law that could empower the people to obey it. It simply told them what they should or shouldn't do. However, under the new covenant and the giving of the Holy Spirit who indwells us, we not only know what to do, we have been given the power to do it. Under the old covenant, the law was written on cold, hard stones. Now, in the new covenant, the prophet Ezekiel writes, I will put my spirit within you. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness. The prophet Jeremiah comes along and says, of this new covenant, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. What a beautiful contrast between the old and the new. That's why you find in the book of Hebrews where it says it's a better covenant with better promises. According to Hebrews chapter 8, 6 through 8, it's a better covenant and it's based on better promises. According to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, speaks of Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better things than that of Abel. According to Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, this new covenant is ministered by a superior high priest. A friend of mine out in California has written a book called Melchizedek, Our Gracious King Priesthood in Christ. 
And on page 361 of that book, it says, the simplest way to describe the difference between Christ-likeness, the Melchizedekian priesthood and religion, including all of the forms of piety that it promotes, would be this. Religion gives us rules to live by and fail by with the pretense that we can attain godliness. However, a love relationship, an intimate union with God through Christ gives us the freedom to pursue likeness empowered by his Holy Spirit leading us to success. Because the commandment system has been removed, our stumbling isn't based on doing the morally right thing, but really about discovering our identity in Christ through a walk of love rather than ego. The commandments and its priesthood will always kill the lamb as an act of worship. The Melchizedekian priesthood will always wash feet and give of its life to forgive its enemies rather than kill them as an act of worship. The priesthood of Jesus never stands with a dagger in its hands to create death or to kill a sacrifice from that which lives. Rather, the priesthood of Jesus lays down its life in love to create life from death. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the beauty of which you have given to us in your life by the shedding of your blood. Thank you that it's done once and for all, never to be done again, because when you said it was finished, it was finished, that in your death you fulfilled all of what the Israelites could not do, all of which we could not do. We could not keep them because if we broke even one of them, then we broke all of them. Thank you for doing what we could not do. And thank you that now it is by grace and through faith in you that we can now develop such an intimate relationship that we're not doing it out of obligation or duty or law or legalism. We're doing it because you love us and we love you. all that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from all God. And so I invite you now with great joy and generosity to participate in the giving of our tithes and our offerings. If you were worshiping with us here in this space, then you'll find the offering trays as you leave. And if you're worshiping with us online, I invite you to go to the giving tab and there you can find many different ways that you can give and participate 
in the life and the work of our church, which God has called into being. And so I do invite us all to give with great joy and generosity. And let us now turn to God in prayer. We thank you, Almighty God, for the blessings that you have given to us in our lives. We thank you for the opportunity to give back to you. And so we do give our gifts to you in great joy and great generosity. And we give our lives to you as well. We thank you, Almighty God, for the blessings. And we pray that we may be a blessing to others. And that our gifts and our lives might further your coming kingdom. Through Christ, amen. My friends, as if this were the only time and this the only place and we the only people, Jesus Christ has come to meet us here at this table this evening. For this is the table that Christ alone has prepared for us. This is the table, this is the place and the time that Christ intends for us to be made new. So I do invite you to come, for we are together, whether we are far apart or right here in this space together, we are together in spirit. We are together because we are the body of Christ. And so I invite you to come, those of you who have been often and those who haven't been in a long, long time, those of you who faithfully serve and love the Lord our God and those who struggle to know God, you all are invited to come because it is Christ alone that invites us all to come, those who know our need of Christ our Lord. We are invited to come to his table. And so at this time, I invite you to gather your ordinary elements. If you're here in, in, in person with us, then you have your cracker and you have your grape. And if you're at home, then I invite you to gather your ordinary elements of bread and juice or bread and wine, whatever you have. And if you don't have these, just listen to the blessing that is about to come your way. So let us now turn our hearts and our minds towards God in prayer. Eternal God, our creator, you formed us in your image. You loved us with an everlasting love and graced us with gifts for serving. And so we praise you and give you thanks. We ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon these ordinary this ordinary bread and this ordinary cup as we celebrate with joy the redemption that was won for us in Jesus Christ. As this bread is Christ's body for us, we pray that we may be the body of Christ in the world and that we may share Christ's mercy and forgiveness and kindness and compassion each and every day. Hear us now, Almighty God, as we bring before you prayers for the world, the prayers for the citizens of the world, our prayers for one another. Hear us now as we pray. We ask your blessings of wisdom, compassion, and care to be poured out upon all leaders across this vast world, leaders of nations, states, communities, businesses, hospitals, Healthcare facilities, schools, and churches. 
May your will be done, we pray. We ask your blessings of patience and tolerance and perseverance to be poured out upon all parents and teachers and students from little bitties to graduate students. May your will be done, we pray. We ask your healing, your blessings of healing to be upon those who suffer today, those who suffer with addictions, those who suffer with illness and grief and loneliness, those who suffer with anger and resentment. Whatever their suffering may be, holy God, we pray that your will will be done in their lives. We ask your blessings of faithfulness, of justice and love to be poured out upon your church universal, the people who strive to faithfully follow the teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May we always be keenly aware and strive to live by your mandate on our lives to seek justice everywhere, to love the kindness of all people, and to walk with humility every day, to care for the least in our midst, to love the stranger, our neighbor, as much as we love ourselves. May your will be done, we pray. We ask your blessings to be poured out on our own community of faith as we continue to recover from the floodwaters. May we always hold each other with gentleness, just as you hold us with your love. We ask your blessings to be poured out upon those that we hold near and dear to our community of faith and to our own families. We name them before you now, holy God. For all of these that we have prayed for, May your blessings be with them. May your will be done, we pray. Through Christ, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, and with the Holy Spirit now and forevermore. And now with both humility and boldness, we pray the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, shared a meal with his disciples. And during the meal, Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks to God for the bread, and then he broke it open, saying, This is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant. It is sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of this in remembrance of me. So every time that we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim our Lord and Savior's saving death until he comes again. My friends, these are the gifts of God and they are for 
the people of God. Let us partake of communion together. The body of Christ has its enemies. Let us turn to God in prayer. In gratitude, in deep gratitude, for this moment of shared space and time, in deep gratitude for this meal, these people, we give you thanks, Lord God, and we give ourselves to you. Transform us into the people you call us to be, because we have shared the living bread and we cannot remain the same. Ask much of us, expect much from us, enable much by us, encourage many through us. Make us strong in our Lord's service so we may follow him faithfully wherever he leads. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. As we um, enter back into worship and song, I invite you to uh, stand with us. This next song is called Christ Be Magnified. And the chorus, it's, the chorus sings, Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. And as I sit and think about what those words are saying, it's like, how is Christ magnified within my own life? How is Christ magnified in your life? And the way we're able to magnify Christ within our lives is being the hands and feet of Jesus, is being the example that he was um, while he was walking on the earth. And he reflected the characteristics of his father. He was love and he was gentle, he was kind, he was peaceful. And so are we exemplifying, are we magnifying those attributes of him within our own lives? Um, so I invite you to um, contemplate the words that are about to be sung. Um, and um, I pray that you're magnifying Christ like through your, through your life and that you're able to just reflect on that in this time.
next song, we're singing, Jesus, be the center of our lives and be the center of everything that we do. Um, that because we are living our lives for you, not for ourselves, not for anything else that this world offers, but we're living our lives completely to worship him. And so I invite you to sing this as we sing that to him. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus.
Yes, I'm on. Um, let's close in a blessing for you and for those of you that are watching with us online. We want to just say again, thanks for being together with us in the presence of the Lord, in the worship and in the word. Father, we say thanks again for your blessings. Thanks again, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done. Thanks for giving your life that we now may have life in you. I bless your people. May the blessings of the Lord God be upon you as you go from this place. May the blessings of the Lord be in your home and in your houses. May the Lord bless you as you drive. May the Lord bless your children and your children's children. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are now with us and you indwell within us. You will keep, guide, and protect us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Jesus, you're the same.